uh, a glory to your name, Lord Jesus. And most of all, help us to be saved in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, okay. Um, this chapter, um, just a brief summary. Uh, we did the first part of this chapter the last time that we started on this chapter. And basically it was about uh, uh, Sister White's husband being given a duty to speak the truth to people. And uh, he was, he was, I guess, really accused of cutting and slashing and, 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 and for no reason. And people, some of the people that he had cut and slashed were happy when he got sick and thought, well, this was the Lord reproving him for, for cutting and slashing people and basically pointing out their errors to them. And so um, they ended up, he, he ended up being sick and they ended up going to a, what was called the best health institution in the nation at the time, which was not a, which was not a uh, Adventist institution. And, but it was the best one at the time. And so as we pick up now, uh, she's saying that uh, God uh, had them go to this place for several reasons. And um, she said that um, in this opening uh, beginning chapter that we're starting at 616.2, that um, their position there, their earnest prayers that they offered and their trust in God, their cheerfulness, courage, hope, and faith which he inspired them amidst their afflictions, it had an influence, excuse me, <coughs> um, there. And it was a testimony to all that the Christian has a source of different happiness to which lovers of pleasure are strangers. And basically she's saying that God gave them a place in the hearts of all of influence at this place. And in the future, as the patients there would be scattered and basically leave this place, uh, hopefully healed, but would leave this place scattered to their different homes and different, different states and different cities and different towns, that their labors would uh, bring them again to the notice of these people. And when, when Ellen White and her husband would be assailed by people, that some of these people would be their defenders and would take up for them because they had, they had met them, they knew who they were and they would defend them. And then she also said that the Lord would have them benefited by going to this place by an experience which they would have not obtained while they were at Battle Creek because at Battle Creek, they would have been surrounded by their brother and sympathizing brethren and sisters and so, and, and so they would have had a tendency to lean on them in their time of difficulty and in the time of her husband's sickness. She said, but when they were separated from them, they had to learn to depend and lean only and solely upon the Lord and trust in him alone. And so there was a benefit in them being separated entirely from the Lord's people. And so basically they were removed and shaken from all earthly help. And it led them to look to God alone. And so in doing that, they obtained an experience with which they would not have obtained had they not gone to this worldly uh, health institute. Any comments there? Right off. Huh? No, not right off. Okay, all right. Um, and then uh, dropping down to the next paragraph, 
Uh, but she says, though, that when her husband's courage and his hope begin to waver, she said there was no more benefit they could obtain there. And it was time to leave. And she said it was just the will. It was it was the will of God that her husband should not remain there with all his strength gone. And in his state of weakness, they should go back among the brethren who could help him bear his afflictions. So uh, at that point, um, she believed it was the will of God for him to go back and be strengthened by, by the Adventist brethren. Um, but she said that while they were separated from God's people and at this place during their affliction, that they had an opportunity to reflect and carefully review their past life and see their mistakes and their wrongs and to humble themselves before God and seek his face by confession, humility, and frequent earnest prayer. And she says that while engaged in active labor and bearing the burdens of others, they were pressed down with many cares. So it was impossible for them to find the time to reflect and carefully review their past and learn the lessons which God saw that it was necessary for them to learn. And then, but then she was shown that God could not glorify his name by answering the prayers of their, you know, the people, uh, the brethren, while they were there at this institution, because she said it would be like God uniting his power with the powers of darkness, because had God healed her husband while he was there, the physicians there would have taken the glory, which should go to God. Isn't that something that, that they had time while they were there to reflect on the past, to confess you know, their wrongs and their wrong turns and their mistakes and all of that, and to be an influence for good while they were there, but God couldn't heal him there because God would not get the glory. I thought that was interesting uh, that they had, she says they had carefully reviewed their past and mm -hmm. saw their mistakes and wrongs and then asked God for forgiveness and stuff. I thought that was pretty nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he basically had to isolate them, alienate them from sympathizing brethren, you know, in order to allow them to see that, you know? How often do we go away from all the hustle and bustle. And as you said today, Lee, the rat race. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> just spend some time with God and, you know, just shut down everything else, all of the noise and all, everything else and just say, okay, God and God alone, you know? That's all it is, noise. A whole lot of noise everywhere you look. Mm-hmm. Yep. And just say, God, okay, what, what, what? Just have a conversation with God, you know? Ooh. It's a lot of noise, you know, when you have your computer set to your home page, and then as soon as it pops up, you see all these news reports and stories about stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mean, before you can even think about it, it hits your brain with mm -hmm. all this stuff that's going on. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's so much stuff. And then you feel like you got to go, you see, you see a, a banner of a news story, and then you feel like you got, okay, what? And then you feel like you got to go find out what the rest of the story is, you know? Yeah, because as soon as you see the banner, the headline, your brain already have processed it. So you already know basically what it's talking about. And mm -hmm. even if it's something you would prefer not to have seen or heard, 
it's too late. So it's kind of like mm-hmm. now your brain had been subjected to something that you didn't want to hear or see. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's like when people tell you gory stories and you're like, I could have went all day without hearing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, any other comments on that? Okay. Uh, down in the next paragraph, uh, she said that um, God, uh, well, the angel said that God would be glorified in the restoration of Elder White to hell. And that God heard the prayers of his servants praying for Elder White. And that his arms were beneath um, Elder White. But he said that God had the case and he must, although afflicted, dismiss his fears. Meaning Elder White, he had to dismiss his fears, his anxiety, his doubts and unbelief. And calmly trust in the great yet merciful God who pities, loves and cares for him. He will have conflicts with the enemy, but should ever be comforted with the remembrance that a stronger than the enemy has charge of him and he need not fear. By faith, rely on the evidences which God has been pleased to give and he will gloriously triumph in God. So basically she was saying, you know, all her husband had to do was just really trust and rely on God, you know? Yeah, that's what we all have to do. Yeah, and that God had a work yet for him to do, and that if he just trusted in God, um, he would God would raise him up and he would be healed. You know, I had um, read somewhere that you know you had read the part that God will be glorified in the restoration of His servant to hell, and I had read somewhere before that um, when Satan's doing his deceptive miracles. It looks like he's healing the people, but what he's doing is taking his his foot off of them. He's not healing them. He's just uh, ceasing to afflict them. But that God actually heals people. And once he does that, the devil can't do nothing about it. Right. Right. Isn't that, isn't that interesting how, and, and the devil's going to be doing even more of that in the future so that people are thinking he's performing miracles and things, but he's not really doing that at all. And, and, and so people are going to think that it's God doing these things and it's not really. No, it's just the devil you know, taking or his that, foot or off that, their neck. It's the power of God. It's going to have them fooled. But no, it's not. And then that part you read, we should all be comforted to remember that it's uh, that uh, stronger than the enemy has charge of us. And so we need not fear no matter what's going on. Just remember that God is greater than the devil. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then she says that uh, down in the next paragraph, um, she talks about how um, the Lord was giving them an experience that was going to be invaluable to them in the future in connection with his work. And that we're living in a solemn time in this earth's history. Now, you know, she was writing, you know, at the beginning of the 
of the turn of the century. So, of course, if she believed that they were living in a solemn time, how much more of a solemn time are we living in here more than, you know, a century later, you know? And um, she said that God's people have to arouse and make a greater progress in reforming our habits of living, eating, dressing, laboring, and resting. And in all these, we should glorify God and be prepared to give battle to our great foe and to enjoy the precious victories which God has in reserve for those who are exercising temperance in all things while striving for an incorruptible crown. You know, I think uh, you, you were talking about Laodicea today. Um, and um, Lee and and and. Laodicea is, is, is defined as, you know, just thinking we have everything, you know, we're rich in everything and really we're poor, wretched, naked, miserable, and blind. <laughs> and that's the condition of, of the world today, the condition of the church today in particular. And she's saying we have to arouse, we have to, we, we are like, we are like the, the five sleeping virgins and we may think that we're awake but what the bible says we're not we're not awake and the bible is cautioning us to wake up and to watch and pray you know it reminds me of uh, of the of the uh what is it the um configuration is that what i'm trying to say and Jesus told the disciples that were with him, just watch and pray. And they kept falling asleep. He says, I just, I just needed you to watch and pray for one hour. Every time he went back to them, they were asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he's telling us. Wake up, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray. Um. Let's see, in the next paragraph, she's just, she's just talking about how important it is uh, to live temperately and to um, reform in, our, in, our, in our, our lifestyle, eating, working, resting, dressing to sustain health. And that uh, all, she says, all who believe the truth for these last days have something to do in this matter. And it concerns them and God requires them to arouse, wake up and interest themselves in this reform. And he won't be pleased if we just, we continue in this course uh, of indifference or be indifferent toward it. And she says that when we abuse the stomach by gratification of appetite, uh, that's the source of many church trials. She says, and those who eat and work intemperately and irrationally talk and act irrationally. And an intemperate man is not a patient man. She says, you don't have to drink alcohol <laughs> to be intemperate. And she says, the sin of intemperate eating, eating too much, too frequently, uh, and of rich and wholesome food destroys the healthy action of the digestive organs and affects the brain and perverts the judgment, preventing rational, calm, healthy thinking and acting. And she says, therefore, in order for the people of God to be in an acceptable state with him, where they can glorify him in their bodies and spirits, which are his, 
they must with interest and zeal deny the gratification of their appetites and exercise temperance in all things. Then may they comprehend the truth in its beauty and clearness and carry it out in their lives. And by a judicious, wise, straightforward course, give the enemies of our faith no occasion to reproach the cause of truth. And God requires all who believe the truth to make special persevering efforts to place themselves in the best possible condition of bodily health. And why is that? What, why does she say the reason for that is? Well, for one thing, our body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. So we uh, should be keeping our temple clean and in good shape yeah. for the spirit to dwell within us. Yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> how can we be proclaiming the truth for our time if our minds are all fuddled up and clouded and you know what I'm saying? We can't remember one thing to the next, one sentence to, you know, because we're we're you know, overeating and eating the wrong stuff, and you know, eating too much uh, sugary stuff and all of that that just clouds your brain, brain fog. Yeah, like we're at the first of that paragraph, um, top part of. Uh, paragraph 618.3, and the first sentence where she says, the abyss of the stomach by the gratification of appetite are the fruitful source of most church trials. Mm -hmm. And then she goes on to tell about the influence of unwholesome uh, food and how your body acts and stuff, preventing mm -hmm. rational, calm, healthy thinking and acting. So it's very interesting how it's pointed out that you think the way you act has nothing to do with what you eat, but that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. We've all heard the, the phrase, you are what you eat, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and then, and you, you know, know, go ahead, Patsy. And you know, as an educator, when the kids come in, no matter what grade level they are, if they are hungry, and their stomach is growling, I don't care what you try to teach them. It's not going to sink in. And the mm -hmm. same with us. If, if something's wrong with our bodies, all the reading of the books of Ellen Wright, all the, those that can quote scripture, when your body is not where it should be, you're not going to comprehend what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and truthfully, that works either way. If you're, if you're too hungry, you're not going to comprehend. But if you're, if you're used to eating to excess, you're not going to comprehend either. Because when you eat to excess, the natural tendency is to, you're drowsy and you want to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, because oh, your, your stomach is being taxed with digesting all that food that you ate. So it's taking blood from your head into your stomach to finish digestion. And if you don't have blood in your head, you start getting sleepy and drowsy and dizzy. Mm -hmm. So that's yeah. why a lot of people after they eat have some lay activities going on. <laughs> <laughs> right. Lay down and go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Right. And she says, God requires his people to cleanse themselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. So, you know, 
a lot of us probably don't even think that we have any any cleansing to do when it comes to our eating habits. But, you know, if we did a true, a truthful self-examination and with prayer, a prayerful, I'll put it like that, a prayerful, truthful self-examination, we probably, a lot of us would probably uh, find that we do need to make some changes. And she pointed out too, um, that if people think that they don't have to make any effort, but just wait for the refreshing of the Lord to come upon them and remove their wrongs and correct their errors. Mm -hmm. And if they depend upon that to cleanse them from filthiness of flesh and spirit, uh, that they're going to be found wanting. It's not going to happen. That's not how it works. Like uh, was mentioned today in church, uh, you can't wait for a persecution to come before you start witnessing. It just doesn't work that way. So same here. You can't wait for the Holy Spirit to remove, you know, your wrongs and correct your eating habits. It's, mm -hmm. That's not how it works. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, and that, that would be a terrible thing, wouldn't it be? Um, it's like, it's like um, school you know that uh, you have a test coming up and you say, well, I'm gonna study, I'm gonna study. Let's just say your test is on Friday. You know it's coming. And so Monday you say, ah, well, I'm gonna study on Tuesday. I'll, I'll get around to studying. Tuesday comes, I'll get around to studying. Wednesday comes, I'll get around to studying. Thursday comes, that's your last time to study. Well, okay, I'll study after dinner and then after dinner comes well let me just let me just watch this my, my favorite tv show first you know and keep putting it off and then here you are friday you haven't studied all week and then you say well, it was too late to study now <laughs> <laughs> right and you were like and so then you don't do well on the test and the teacher tells you well you know this was your last opportunity to pass this semester you know, and you didn't get a passing grade. And so you have to repeat that class, you know, next semester. Well, it's nobody's fault but your own. I'm not sure they even make kids repeat class anymore. They just want to get rid of it. <laughs> Could be. And you know, another thing too, I happened one time to be in a restaurant and I heard one of our members telling you know, some people that was around them, that they are vegetarian and all this, and they went on through, you know, being a, yeah, I'm a vegetarian. And and when the lady walked away, she said, if they're going to look like that, I sure don't want to be one. And I thought, why didn't they just say, I'm a vegetarian, but I'm still working on my diet too. But, and it was so funny because my daughter looked and said, you know that voice, don't you? And I just started laughing and I said, but, you know, there's a way that you can tell people you're a vegetarian, but if your body doesn't look like you're taking care of your body, that'll turn them away. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Pets, because that, that, that you're, you're, <laughs> you're an unfaithful witness. <laughs> Talking about how people are waiting for the Lord to do stuff, but 
we have a part to play too. And it says that um, the fulfillment of God's promise is only realized by those who believe and then work in accordance with their faith. So we have to do our part and ask God to bless it, bless our efforts and crown us with success because he's not going to do for us what we can do for ourselves. Right, right, absolutely. Uh, and, and, part two. Right, and uh, yeah, and enlarging on that, she said that her husband fit within that class of people or his case fit within that where he was waiting on the Lord to heal him before he uh, will get up and go do something more. And it was like, no, you have to exercise your faith, get up and go do something more. And as you get up and walk forward, the Lord will heal you in the process. And so, um, you know, basically, like you were saying, you know, he's got to believe and then work in accordance with that belief. So that's how faith works. It's not, okay, the Lord is going to do it. I've just got to wait on him to do it. No. Yeah, um, I think that's true uh, in a lot of areas, financial areas, health areas, relationship areas. Is that we want, we'll say, you hear people all the time say, you know, pray for me. I don't think we really understand that, uh, what does it say? Faith without works is dead. You know, it's not just good enough to, for us to pray. Um, and then she says here, I saw that my husband would be inclined to shrink from making efforts, making efforts in according with his faith. Fear and anxiety in regard to his own case have made him timid. He looks at appearances and disagreeable feelings of the body, said the angel. Feeling is not faith. So I'm going to go back at disagreeable feelings of the body. So, you know, where the Holy Spirit convicts you to lose weight and you pray because the Bible says the tongue is an unruly member who can tame it but God. So, you know, you're in for a big battle. So you pray. Now the next step is the work. When the Holy Spirit says, push back from the table, when the Holy Spirit says, don't eat that. And it's hard, you know, it's hard, but it says, um, uh, feeling is not faith. Faith is simply to take God's word. Just doing what God tells you to do. Uh, you see so many people are very, very sick. And sometimes the sickness is a step up from what it would have been if we would have stopped doing whatever we were doing that may have con contributed to the illness. So I think that's uh, something that's really, um, I believe most of us, a lot of us wouldn't be sick if we would just do what God tells us to do. Even though we don't like it, it doesn't feel good, it's not fun, it goes against everything you've been doing all your life, but God promised you that he'll be with you. Hmm. And then I'm also, not glad you brought that up, Sister Lakita, because you know, there are times when you know, like I said, when I get out of the, uh, those therapies, when they be working, I say to myself, now I know I'm supposed to go home and go straight to the ice. And I be hurting so bad. And then I say, no, I put on my calendar. This is the day I'm going to pass out my tracks. And, you know, it's, it believe, to be honest, I said, when I'm passing out tracks, I don't even think about the pain. I know it's there, but I don't, you know, I don't think of it as, as far as I just can't do it no more. I get my tracks passed out. I head for home. And then I say, thank God, you know, you and the Holy Spirit gave me the strength to, to, to get those tracks passed out. And then I go to the second step on, you know, getting underneath the ice and stuff. But there are times when I'm telling you, I just wanted to say, no, Lord, I cannot do it. My body's hurting too much. 
but to lay down on top of hurting, that wasn't doing me no good either. Mm-mm. No, this uh, on this in the same thing it says, I saw that in the name and strength of God, my husband must resist disease and by the power of his will rise above his poor feelings. He must assert his liberty in the name and strength of God, Israel's God. So it's kind of like what you did, Pansy. You know, you went out, you you got your uh you were on your divine appointment to get your your um your therapy, whatever, you know, your therapy, your physical therapy. And then, you know, you pushed against that will that, like you said, you notice when you're at home, man down, it's not helping. So you may as well do a little extra walking and then go home and, you know, and do what you need to do. But when we don't resist it, I've seen so many people. In fact, I'm going to share this with you. I, um, I have been diagnosed with, with arthritis. And I found myself saying my arthritis, my arthritis. Well, every time I say that, that only increases and solidifies my mind that I have an illness. So I stopped saying that, you know, and when, and when you stop saying that, they say that's some space in my brain that the Lord can enter into now. And I'm not reconvincing myself over and over. And he can begin to point out things that I can do to change this situation so that you will not, so that I will not be in pain and have to go through all the processes that, you know, that people want you to go through. So I think that is the doctors, you know, the, the surgery, the medicines, all that good stuff. And I'm not saying that no one should not follow the doctor, but I am saying is that sometimes without realizing it, we're not resisting disease. We're, you know, uh, hanging on to it, clinging to it. It becomes a part of, you know, our personality and our character even, that, you know, we just can't do this and can't do that. And we stop from doing what God is telling us to do, like go out and give out our tracks. I like this part where it says, uh, his faith must be made perfect by works for faith alone is dead. It must be sustained by works. A living faith is always manifested by works. So while we recognize we can't do it on our own through uh, works, we do have a part to play, as I said, and that God will bless our efforts. You know, when we put forth the effort and ask for his uh, Holy Spirit to be with us and his healing power, then you see a change. And like uh, like people say, show me your, like I think it's, Paul said to somebody, show me your faith without works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So faith, in fact, the word faith means action. So, you, you know, if you really have faith in God's promises of health and uh, financial blessings or whatever, then you have to do your part to get those, you know. So we have a part to play and God will take care of what we can't take care of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I was going to point that out to Lee that, um, you know, people, you we hear the word faith all the time. Oh, just have faith. Oh, just have faith. But it's more than just have faith. <laughs> it's more than just a, 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 a sentence, you know. Yeah, faith, just have action. Is what it, when you say just have faith, just have action. Mm-hmm. Take some action. Mm-hmm. Takes action. Six twenty points. that God will do. Yep, absolutely. Um, 
And it says, and you might have read this, Lee, already. Faith is simply to take God's word. And that her husband says, my husband must resist disease and by the power of his will rise above his poor feelings. He must assert his liberty in the, in the name and strength of Israel's God. And like you were saying, Lakita, he must cease thinking and talking about himself, I guess, and his disease and his, his, you know, weakness and all that as much as possible. He should be cheerful and happy. And so. Do you all know that when you are cheerful, happy? Um, well, I'm going to share this experience. So one day I was, you know, experiencing some pain, right? Some arthritis pain. And. Um, I don't know how this thing happened. It was a two-day event. It was, uh, the Lord was saying that this is caused by stress, you know. So I started thinking about what I was thinking about, which was some stressful stuff. So then I stopped thinking about the stressful stuff. And, um, you know, the pain kind of got less. And then the next day I woke up with this song, God is so good to me. God is so good to me. God is so good. He's, um, he's good to me. So, you know, um, I start singing that little song. It's like a children's song. And I'll tell you that the pain went completely away. It just stopped. It's mm -hmm. gone. It was, it was just gone. And really, it comes back now there for but for reasons like um, dehydration, you know, not drinking enough water, or um, overwork, doing too much, you know, on my leg until it gets well. You have to kind of be careful with that. So anyway... You know, when I did that song, I decided to look that up, you know, on YouTube, because I'm like, this is just my imagination, right? And it's true. If you sing a song, it releases endorphins into your body. And endorphins are stronger than, uh, what, what do they say, morphine. Mm -hmm. The endorphins are stronger than morphines in controlling pain. So it's mm -hmm. like the Lord has gotten all this stuff for us, you know, but we have to unlike the keys is, you know, there, and we do that if, you know, we don't know what to look for. I don't know what to look for, but, you know, anybody who says a word to me about pain management, I'm going to go home and look it up because I feel like it's maybe God giving me a message and do what he tells, what is being said to do, you know, stop eating this. Don't exercise too much. Do the right step. It's, it's getting out of illness is not simple. It's layers and layers and layers of behaviors that we're doing that's contributing to the illness and not always sinful behavior. You know, some of it, we just don't realize that what we're doing is hurting our bodies. And so we have to do some research to get to know this great machinery that God has given us and put us in, um, given us um, management of, made us tools of his, these bodies. Also, I think, like it says, stop talking about it. You know, yeah. stop thinking about it. Stop talking about it. It's only going to remind you, you know, of your situation. So a lot of times people say, well, I hate being around older people because all they do is talk about their illness and disease. Yeah, that's probably true. But we need to focus on the, the goodness of God and not focus on the illness, but focus on the fact that God is a great physician and that he can heal us at any time. And then also, as I had mentioned earlier today, uh, just recognize that there's a blessing in there for you somewhere. You know, look for the blessing that this illness might be helping you to see, you know, something that you need to work on or might be showing you that you need a little more strength or faith in this area or whatever. 
but there's always a blessing. So if we can stop focusing on, oh, poor me, I'm sick. Let's focus on what blessings God has for us in allowing us to go through this situation. And I think too, with uh, when people when people keep talking about the same things, it's because they don't feel understood, you know, or they feel isolated, and they want somebody to understand them. You know, uh, sometimes people do fall in love with their story. You know, this is what defines me. This is, you know, my story is worse than everybody else's story. But sometimes it's just simply that no one has really validated that pain. No one has really said to them, you know, it is painful. It is hard. It is difficult. And it's scary. You know, sometimes people just want to hear that some, and then you move that out. As long as I'm focused on, you know, nobody understands me. I can't, you know, I, I want somebody to empathize with me, to recognize so what I'm going through. As long as we're stuck there, we cannot. We're not going to move forward. We just can't. But once we clear our brains of that fact, once we feel somebody does understand, we might talk to them a few more times. But after a while, we begin to look for other things. The Holy Spirit is going to, is pulling us all the time towards wellness and stuff. And so the Lord will be able to come in and change some things. So we can be vehicles to help people get well, you know, um, by our words, as especially. Yes, absolutely. And and and, um, how does that saying go? That um, our attitude determines our altitude. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. It really does, and and it really is. Um, in the group as well, you know what. I too enjoy how the Lord used me today because it pointed out some things that I need to change in my life, you know, some words that I need to not say, et cetera. So, you know, when as a corporate body, we have to be aware of of, um, what we're saying and how that is impacting those around us Mm -hmm. because um, there is other churches. Yes, they went through the pandemic, but they're rebounding. And so we have to begin to look at, you know, well, okay, what do we need to do to rebound? Well, what do we need to do to regroup, rebound, and to um, move this back? The change is the, the trajectory of what, where things are going right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the last paragraph, she's talking about Brother El- Elder F and how he just really has a harsh, unfeeling course towards the people that he believes to be in fault. And so that this was really not his ministry. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, that he's really disqualified for because he has no patience. He has a lack of good judgment. This shouldn't be the one um, doing that kind of work. And he's, 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 he is the one really doing some cutting and slashing. And he just not, he's not the right person. He hasn't been, called to do that by God, where as her husband had been called to do, uh, uh, I guess, a spiritual, the um, spiritual addressing of people's faults by God, but brother, brother F just was not the one, and he had not been called by God, and that really just, um, he just needed to not do that anymore, and 
um, that's pretty much what she had to say about that. <laughs> Any comments well, on you that? Know, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I think, Karen, it's not what you say to a person, it's how you say it. And let me give you an example. I can see Lakita saying, okay, Sister Harper, you need to, you know, don't eat, don't drink a lot of sugary drinks, you know, and I'm just using this as an example. And cut down on your salt intake, you know, and you'll probably start feeling better. Now, another person could come along and say, you know, you're getting what you deserve because you're always drinking this and you're always eating it. And it's just the way you approach people. If you're not going to approach them with the love of God and the Holy Spirit going with you, then don't approach them to the point that you, you know, have the kids say uh, when they're in school, if, you're he- if they're heavy or then the other kids, they, they get, there's something about a shame technique that people, you know, that the kids feel like people are doing to them, you know, putting them down because they're overweight and they don't know, you know, maybe that person has an illness that's causing it and maybe they're trying to work on it. But I just think sometimes the wrong people say the wrong things, even though they may be right. But you got to, I think, you know, they have to realize if you can't say it in the way that God would intend for you to say it, then go back and pray about it before you open your mouth. Right, right. Because, because although we are called by God to speak the truth, we are called to speak it in love. Absolutely. And what she's saying here is that everybody don't have that gift. Mm-hmm. And you have to, you know, everybody, some people, people want gifts that they just don't have. No, you know, they don't want the gift of, of uh, going in people's house and cleaning up. They want the gift of telling people what to do and how to do it. And she's saying, just like you, Patsy, that everybody can't do it. And then, and, uh, and they miss the mark. And what they actually do, if they don't run the person away from God, is bring up more barriers so that that person will have to overcome more barriers than they had before. What I mean by that is that now, when you bring it to a person like that, you need to do this and uh, and uh, this and that, and you shouldn't be, then that only makes their heart kind of hard. And it makes them a little bit rebellious, like, don't tell me what to do and get out my face you stir up something in them that wasn't there before. So it's, you know, then they have to, because they want to be saved, they have to overcome those feelings of aggravation, irritation, don't want to listen to you. If you give a sermon, I don't care who's told you give it. I'm not going to hear you. They have to overcome that because everything was done in an inappropriate way, or you are out of your lane. You don't need to be in that lane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and so basically this brother F was out of his lane and just wasn't he he wasn't that was not his ministry, that was not his role, that was not he was not appointed by God to do that, and he just needed to move out the way. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Exactly. And so many people don't, you know, that 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 never enters people's mind that maybe I shouldn't be doing this, right? That, you know, maybe somebody else should be, be doing this. You know, it's just they see something and now, bam, I'm going to jump on you or not. Well, you know what it reminds you know, me? If they actually got in touch with God, maybe he would say, I got that. Don't you worry about it. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me I of... Know. When um, when um, you know, Israel were in the, were in the and, 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 and 
you know, but I was and then certain other certain other ones got got upset and said, well, we're just as qualified as you to lead. You know, what makes you so special? <laughs> and rose up against him. And God said, okay, well, everybody come out the next morning and bring your rods and mm-hmm. one that I caused to bud, that's the one, that's the one I've chosen. <laughs> and yeah. uh, not only did Aaron's rod bud, but it grew almonds. Yeah. Yeah, I Aaron- think that's a that thing right there, that jealousy thing. You know, that thing like I deserve to be at the top, you know. So people have not a clue what it means to be at the top. They have absolutely no idea. Yeah, they want they it. they want the glamour of it, but not the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know the hardest hey. work too is go ahead, Pastor. I'm sorry. Patsy. Uh-huh. Were you I, I, I was, I, yeah, but I was listening to Lakita. I wanted to see what she was, what she was gonna finish saying. No, you can go ahead. You can go ahead, Okay, that's just like the and and and, and thinking of Brother F as we read about he was out of his lane. The uh, pastor at the altar church was given an example that you know uh, when you go on a funeral and you hear them talking about the state of the dead and the loved one is always in heaven you know, and all this, you know, and he said, that would not be the time for you, even though we know the truth, for us to jump up and say, uh-uh, now, wait a minute, the Lord said, and I can show you in the Bible, he said, some, some people, you know, you like, I think he was trying to say, use some tact, you know, understand where God has you at, and when God tells you to move in, in a soft voice and talk with someone, he said, but a funeral place is not the place to start telling people about the state of the dead and how they love one ain't in heaven. And I said, and you know, it's funny because I know when I first came into church, I used to hear, you know, some members say, now, when you get to these kind of locations, you girl, you stand up for the Lord. And I was like, you just do it in front of everybody. I was like, then would you embarrass that person and, you know, hurt the family that, you know, is trying to get over their grieving? So I never did it, but I did hear about people that had done it at people's funerals saying, wait a minute, I got to tell them the truth because the Lord told me. And I thought, well, God didn't just embarrass people when he talked to individuals. He was settled. He talked with them quietly sometimes, you know, but it just, it just made me think of uh, when, they, when they were talking about Elder F was just totally, un, you know, un, unfeeling as far as he's not qualified to do what he wants to do. And I just felt like at that time, I'm not qualified to tell anybody anything. If I want to talk to that person, and I do have a sorority sister, and I talked with her after her mother had passed away because she kept saying, I see my mother at night. And then, you know, she was like, she hadn't been going to church. And when she got back in church, I said, she was like, you know, I understand what you was trying to tell me. But it's just, this, you know, you got to know when God puts you in a place and when the Holy Spirit tells you to open your mouth and not open your mouth. But at a funeral, you just can't jump up and start telling people about the state of the dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It goes with everything, too. Uh, uh, Patsy, I was trying to, you know, I want my sister to be well, right? And so 
every chance I got, I was telling her, you know, about diet and this and that, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, blue, blue, blue. You know, and it just seemed to me like it was falling on deaf, deaf, um, deaf ears. So one day as I was praying about it, the Holy Spirit pointed out to me is that, you know, every time you talk to her, you're telling her that she's not acceptable to you, that you don't think she's good enough. You know, you think that you're helping, but people are hearing something different. You know, you know, uh, they already feel bad. And so I wasn't helping. And so I dropped it. I just stopped it because if she stops speaking or, or start cutting conversations short, then that, that ruins the whole message of how God loves her and how he wants, you know, to be with her for eternity, which is really the biggest message. You know, it's not whether what she's eating and, and all that. It's really because, you know, if she, like the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven then all these things will fall into place. So all I really want is for her to pray and have her own personal connection with God. And then I will trust and continue in prayer for myself to say the right thing and to do the right thing concerning her. But, you know, sometimes we just, we forget the whole message really is just that people are saved and stuff. So I did, I stopped and I try not to do that to anybody. I just you know, not try not to just be like have a pre-planned message that I'm going to give them. <laughs> and if they come up and say, my goldfish died, then the next thing out of my mouth, yeah, you should not be eating this and you shouldn't and come to church, you should be doing that and don't worry. That's not, it's, it's just something wrong with that. It says to people, I'm not even listening to you. I just want you to do what I want you to do. Mm. Mm. Yeah, isn't that something? Yeah. That took some self-reflection to come to that realization, though. Yeah, it does. It, it did. But, you know, I noticed that she, you know, would get off the phone quickly and all this stuff. And and we're not drawing people to us. We have to, you know, you don't even, if you represent Christ, which we do, we don't even have to say Christ's name. Because when we represent him, when we are in people's space, in their homes, they can't help but think about God. You know, because, you know, we hear a little, there a little, you know, where, where it's needed. But these long things that, you know, what I was doing was just not right. I, and I think she's very patient not to be like, you know, because she does cuss. <laughs> not to say a few words to me that, you know, I didn't want to hear. Um, when I was listening to you guys, first of all, happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath to you. I just got home. That's why I'm on the phone. But um, first, I hit star nine and it said my hand was raised. Is my hand raised yes. on the Zoom? Yes. Oh, okay. So it does work. Let me lay it down. I, <laughs> I know I was trying to unmute myself and hit nine. And okay, good to know. But uh, to piggyback off what everybody said, especially with uh, Sister Harper, what she was saying, um, the first thing that came to my mind is if we don't have charity, everything else we say is like tinkling brass. So, mm -hmm. if I mean, if we're not showing, we may have, you know, that's when we're being very legalistic and throwing the law in people's face, 
you may never, they'll never hear any, anything else you have to say, you know, and particularly in, in tender situations when there's loss or whatnot, um, you don't correct people on the state of the dead. You show them your love and that keeps the door open. And the Holy Spirit will guide you, guide you onto um, how to approach that people on other things. And sometime down the road, they may be, they'll be more open for, you know, other spiritual truths like the state of the dead. But um, that's why, you know, the Bible where it says we'll be saved by the word of the Lord and our testimony. Mm-hmm. Unless you can say, hey, this is what happened when I was in your situation, then it sounds like judgment. It sounds like you're wagging your finger to somebody unless you put yourself, you know, as an example and, 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 you know, and tell them your story and it, and then pray that the Holy Spirit will allow the, open their eyes to see themselves in that story. I mean, that's the only way to really witness. I agree. And so often we are uh, uh, unwilling to become vulnerable like that, to be, you know, open like that, to say, you know, yes, you know, not only I feel you, but I, I feel you because, you know, I've done this or I lived through that too. And it is hard coming out of it. Yes. Okay. Any uh, closing comments from anyone? Okay. If there's no closing comments, uh, Lee, where are we next week? Oh, I'm sorry. Next week is camp meeting. So we will not have class next week. Um, And then when we come back, I guess we will be in chapter 106 of testimonies i'm sorry 107 of testimonies for the church and that chapter is titled danger of self-confidence danger of self-confidence okay um let me see uh paula are you still there yes yes would you mind giving us a word of prayer to close us out sure Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for another opportunity to study your word as you have given it to your your prophet. Please forgive us for our sins and let us go into next week better than we left last week as far as uh, representing you and change our character so we look more like you and less like us. Guide guide us in um, all the ways of our life because we know you have your hand on every aspect of our life. And again, use us as witnesses. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. Amen.